today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. Turn, turn, turn. Everybody and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It is the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order from the beginning to the end and then a little bit more at the end <laughs> that we left out. I'm JB Clark. I'm joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, how are you doing tonight? Hey JB, I'm great. How are you, sir? I am good. It is a cool but warm-ish kind of that in between. Like, oh, it's kind of warm, but there's a breeze and like, oh, it's kind of cool. Uh, early spring evening in Tupelo, Mississippi. The weather is just great. Uh, put a little cool. sod down in the yard earlier, so it's looking nice. Uh, got my lights strung across the backyard. Just life is good. The chickens are up. Shep's asleep. Uh, life is good. How are things with you, man? Thing, things are good. Um, this song, I feel like, is a, is a really good... Like it, This is a really good song for a, you know... A things are good type of time for you. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like, welcome to spring. Things are changing. Things are turning. Everybody's happy. Things are looking up. Yeah. Time to be to yeah. everything. There is a season, as they say. Oh, uh, there is. And specifically this season. Yeah. Spring. It's so nice. Indeed. So the song we're talking about today is the song Turn, Turn, Turn. This is not a Bruce Springsteen original, obviously. It is not. The reason we're talking about this song, JB, is because it appears on the four song EP that was released in 2008 called Magic Tour Highlights. That's right. And uh, it's made up of four live tracks from, you guessed it, the Magic Tour. And it includes, of the four songs, it includes Danny Federici's final performance of Sandy, which is amazing. And it was released, originally it was released uh, for digital download on July 15th, 2008. And the proceeds from the sales went to the Danny Federici Melanoma Fund. And we haven't really talked about this EP yet. I mean, which is kind of amazing considering how many episodes we've done. But really, we probably should have talked about it really, really early. Because there, in fact, there's a listener who is very concerned that we didn't talk about the song Always a Friend, which also appears on this EP. It's actually track one on, on this EP. And um, so to that listener and to all the other concerned parties, we will talk about that song on the second lap. We're going to have to do a second lap to pick up some stuff that was released after we started and and we'll we'll include always a friend as well the original without getting into the weeds on it the original thinking for why we're not going to do always a friend is because bruce doesn't really sing the lead vocals it's pretty much just they're they're pretty much the house band but really like the further into this we got the more it felt like an oversight that we didn't do it so we'll 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 catch it on the next round anyway all that to say this song is the first time we've straight up talked about the magic tour oh and and the fourth song because the the four songs are um sandy this one always a friend and the ghost of tom joad with tom morello right so it's and it's always a friend first ghost of tom joad second turn 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 third fourth of july asbury park sandy fourth yeah correct i did i did not i I was saying them off the top of my head so i wasn't it's all right yeah no you're good good. um so this song was recorded live on april 23rd 2008 in orlando florida and features guest musician roger mcguinn from the birds so it is appropriate that they they do this song bruce very famously by the way the birds wrote the song yeah no the birds did not write the song or made the song famous i'm very sorry that's I'm right. very that's a, sorry that's that is a basic fact we will get that to. is a basic fact and that is where we are and yeah but but quite often if if a if a guest musician joins bruce on stage it is not uncommon for them to cover 
a song that that guest musician is famous for. Bruce is very gracious in that way. So when Roger McGuinn showed up and Bruce invited him up on stage, of course they were going to do Turn, 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 because arguably this is probably the most famous Bird song, right? I mean, you, you can make the argument that maybe Mr. Tambourine Man. Um, there's probably a couple others like um, that have been made famous later. But, I mean, th- this this song is a mega hit, you know, from from their, their catalog. So, um, you know, it's been in yeah. countless... Movie, it's the song is everywhere in pop culture. I, the first time I ever heard this song, I was like 13, and it was when I saw the movie Forrest Gump. And uh, mm. the, the, yeah. so, the song was also um, in the pilot episode of The Wonder Years. It was, uh, it was in an episode of The Simpsons, which they were doing a parody of The Wonder Years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's also uh, in the Ken Burns documentary on the Vietnam War. So, th- this song is pretty, as far as pop culture goes. When, when you're dealing with like 1970s era type, actually 1960s slash 1970s era stuff, this song's pretty ubiquitous, and um, and so so yeah, when Roger McGuinn shows up at a Bruce Springsteen show and Bruce is like, "Why don't we do a bird song?" I think it's it's not a far reach that like you're gonna probably do this song if if not Mr. Tambourine right. Man. So yeah, um, let's see. So this, I would say that uh, Forrest Gump or. Wonder Years is where anyone from our generation first heard the song. For sure. I mean, and, and again, like Forrest Gump, for, the Forrest Gump soundtrack, I mean, quite frankly, holds up better than the movie does because the Forrest Gump soundtrack is probably most of my knowledge of music from the 60s and 70s comes from yeah. when I when I got the Forrest Gump soundtrack. So um, let's see. So the song, as I, as I said before, it's a cover, obviously. Most people think the song was written by the birds. And nope. it, it was Seeger. That's right. It, it was written by our old friend Pete Seeger. So the song, I mean, technically, I guess could have ended up on the Seeger Sessions, uh, but it obviously it didn't. That's right. And it was written in the 1950s by Pete Seeger. That's right. It it, it was popularized by the Birds after they released it as a single in 1965, and it also serves as the title song for the Birds' second album. So, I mean, most people, I think, I mean, e- even if people know that this, not unlike yourself, even even when people know that the song was written by Pete Seeger, it, the the first act that you think of probably when you hear the song is the birds like the the birds yeah. the th- this song made the birds i mean you could you could argue so anyway that's so so there's a lot of there's a lot of backstory to this song this song is is generally considered a um an anti-war song it's often contextualized in that way which is why it was so popular in 1965 and we'll we'll get into kind of the what that looks like when we looked at look at the lyrics so jb you want to talk music i mean really the music here as as played by the eastery band is not all that different from the birds studio recording of the song right yeah it's the first line of my notes is this music is very reminiscent of the birds lots of unaffected guitar and straightforward 60s pop drumming which uh you can definitely rely on max for um and even the crowd cheering in the live version kind of makes it feel like an early live you know like 60s pop recording well, and the Roger McGuinn uh, vocals help make that feel, make it feel like that too, right? Like it sounds yeah, like Roger McGuinn does the not hurt it. Yeah, doing the high harmonies of Bruce. Uh, yeah, it's it's super straightforward. It's a very straightforward cover. Uh, it's not as tight as the Birds version or as like a Springsteen like studio version would be. It's just like they brought a guy out that's a friend, and they sing a song together, and it's a good song. And, and you know, like yeah, yeah, that's where we're at. Well, and, and we've talked every once in a while. We'll talk about a cover that Bruce will have done. Like I think we've done, um, we've done like London Calling. We've done, um, I, I'm, I'm, what's the other one he did on London Calling that we did? Um, it's not Give Me Some Lovin'. Uh, what am I thinking of? I'm just totally going blank. You know, what I'm th- you know, what I'm talking lost about? the supermarket. 
Now, what song did he cover? He covered it was it was on the London Calling live cut. You remember it? Shoot. All right, hold on. Good loving. Yeah, that's it. Good loving. So, um, so yeah, we did good loving, and uh, and so a lot of times when when Bruce does a and and I've seen him having seen him the the number of times that I have every once in a while he'll pick up a sign when I, when I saw him actually. When I saw him in Jersey in 2016, he picked up a couple of signs and did some did some covers. And one of the covers was "Summertime Blues," and one of the things, and which which was great. But one of the things that Bruce will do, especially when he's covering like a like an old like staple like a rock song, he doesn't really change it. Like the the point of doing the cover yeah. is not for the Easter Band to make it their own. The goal is to like call back to a time when everybody was singing the song, you know. And so like "Twist and Shout" is another version of of that, and. Um, and so th- this is one of those. Like Bruce is not—he's not trying to put his own stamp on it. He's just trying to do a song that everybody loves. You know? Yeah. He's being an entertainer. Yeah. I mean, like, what are you gonna do to turn, turn, turn? Right? It's a cover already. It's already been—it's already been changed and made super popular. And and he got Roger on stage with you. And one thing I love about it though is like musically is that in some of the harmonies you can hear Bruce like just pretty stoked that he's singing those harmonies of Roger. Yeah, Bruce, the thing that Bruce is great at, and now that I've seen the Broadway show, I don't know if this is like a genuine thing or if this is just part of what he refers to as his magic trick, but he always seems like he's having the best time of his whole Like, every day feels like Bruce's yeah. birthday when, when you're at a show. So it, it, do, it does sound like, and I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's, even in 2008, even when he's been around as long as he has, to be on stage with Roger McGuinn doing Turn, 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 there's, there's got to be a part of him that's like, this is one of my heroes. And I'm, and I'm up here. Yeah. I'm, you know, like, I get to do all this fun stuff, and it's never not awesome. That I get to do this, you know? Oh, yeah. It's certainly not lost on him. I don't think it is. I, I think that's one of the things that makes him great is that he he seems to be a guy who never gets tired of of how fun it is to be a rock star, you know? I was listening to an a interview of Questlove on Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Um, what's, it, what's this podcast called? Broken Records. Broken Records. Yes. And uh, Questlove was talking about the time that he got to the, the roots were asked to sort of be the backing band for Bruce for a few songs mm. uh, from the late show. And then he talked about how Bruce went and played at the Apollo theater and he was like climbing on the rafters and Dude. he talked about how he has never seen someone uh, not even like considering age. He has never seen someone with that much energy on stage. And then he's like, and the guy's not young. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but he started off with, I literally have never seen someone like with that much passion for the music and enjoyment for the live performance and energy on stage. And also I'm, you know, he's, he's not a, a spring chicken. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that was the opening show of the wrecking ball tour. And I have that on, um, audio. I, I bought that download and it is, I mean, you, you can totally hear the energy. You can totally hear how excited Bruce is to be playing yeah. at the Apollo. Well, and again, I mean, like, talk about it. I mean, Bruce Bruce isn't just a rock and roll musician. Bruce is a rock and roll fan. He's, like, one of the greatest rock... Like, besides Dave Grohl, he's, like, maybe the biggest rock and roll fan ever. And um, and so I think, like, Bruce is playing the Apollo, but he's also fully aware, like, James Brown, like, made this place famous. And you know what I mean? Right. Like, like, he's he's walking in the in the shadow of giants, and he's... Even though he is one of those giants, I, I don't think he at, at all takes for granted that he that he that he gets to sort of breathe that rarefied air and th- when he gets to do that kind of stuff he he puts everything he has into it you know yeah it's incredible it is incredible and and, and Questlove is i mean obviously he's got a better perspective on it than me cuz he's played with Bruce on stage but but he's not wrong like you 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 can't watch him like he never takes a night off and he never he never shows up and gives half of himself to the show no you know not at all um 
so it, so all that to say, yeah, I mean, you, I, I can imagine being in Orlando that night and Roger McGuinn showing up and them doing turn, 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 and Bruce maybe being the biggest fan in the room for a few minutes, yeah. you know? Um, Absolutely. You can hear it in his voice. Like, he's enjoying singing harmonies of Roger. Man, in retrospect, now that we're doing this, it's, it's too late, but I wish, I wish I'd had the forethought or the foresight to say, like, man, we should come up with our top five favorite bird songs. Yeah, we should have. Dang it, because we did that for the Clash, and we did that for um, who else did we do that for? Man, I'm I'm having all sorts of like brain gaps tonight. I don't know. I, I'm I, always having brain gaps. It's not a big deal. Warren Zevon. We we did we did yeah. we did it for the Clash, and we did it for Warren Zevon. We probably should we should have done it for for the Birds, and we also back when we did Jersey Girl, we should have done it for Tom Waits. But do you wanna do you wanna try it real quick? You see how fast we can do it? <laughs> you wanna do a lightning round? Okay, yeah. Why not? Well, for okay. Let's let's put that on the back burner for a second, and um, let's let's talk let's talk lyrics. Let's rate the song, and then we'll come back and maybe if we can do a like a like a sudden death list your favorite bird songs. Okay, is that all right? God, their records are so long. Yeah, they've got a bunch too. Oh um, my gosh! Well, and I, mean, I forgot how many bird songs there are. Well, I, didn't forget. I guess I, I I've known how many there are, and there's more. <laughs> well, and there's also like the notorious Bird Brothers, all like you know, like the different iterations of you know this yeah. collection of musicians. Um, I can give you like three or four that won't be surprises. Anyway, all right, let's do it. Let's do ratings, and then, and oh, then we, we'll got, do we gotta do we gotta do the lyrics. The lyrics here are interesting. Oh, lyrics. Sorry, the, the lyrics, lyrics yeah. to me are are one of the things that makes this song super interesting, because. Uh, other than the title and the refrain, the the lyrics are taken almost like no word for word. They are taken word for word from the first eight verses of the second chapter of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, which is why it's it's so. Int- this is like every youth pastor's favorite rock and roll song because you can yeah you can quote it and you can seem cool even though the song is like you know <laughs> very very not old. favorite. It's not a U two song, but that's too It's not a yeah. That's a good point. Good point. But um, but all yeah. right, well, interrupt me a bunch, and I will. Uh, I'm going to run through it. You can just interrupt me a bunch. Okay. So to everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, 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 and a time for every purpose under heaven. Okay. So right there, and and without getting into like a hard, like a deep <laughs> like Bible study on this, the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes is living in the tension between enjoyment of life and the realization that all of life is fragile and we're all going to die. It's basically watching True Detective. So you're... So, so re- and which is interesting because a lot of times, like I, th- I think, a lot of teachers and preachers tend to avoid this part of the book, or they try they try and like retcon what it's trying to say. But no, I mean, really, yeah. it's, it's about a guy who is having an existential crisis, and he's dealing with, um, he's dealing with the reality of his own mortality, and he and he's he's trying to get into the headspace of yeah, but can I can I, is it possible to enjoy life when you are cursed with the knowledge of your own mortality? And so he's like, and, and so that's. That is the context of Ecclesiastes chapter two. Actually, the entire book of Ecclesiastes, but th- that's what's happening in in chapter two specifically. So then he's kind of waxing on about like all the different like waves that that life gives you. And so go ahead. All right. So a time to be do- born. Sorry, excuse me. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to reap. A time to heal. A time to laugh. A time to weep. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season. Turn, turn, turn. And a time for every purpose under heaven. You're good. A time to build up, a time to break down, a time to dance, a time to mourn, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, 
Yeah, I mean, to everything. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's just it's just more of the the same kind of everything has like nothing is good and nothing is bad. It's it's very zen, you know. It's like yeah, every, everything that happens yeah. is happens in its own time, and like we can't be mad that nature continues to do what nature does, you know. Yeah, there's a a, a quote that I have on a posted above my desk, and that April says to me every morning when I don't want to wake up because uh, I stayed up too late the night before um, that sums a lot of Ecclesiastes up. Ecclesiastes up. Sorry, Ecclesiastes. <laughs> uh, and, and the quote is, uh, I forget who says it, but this is how it is now. Yeah. And so it's just sort of like, yes, yes, all of these things that are troubling you, this is how it is now. You must still operate with that knowledge. <laughs> uh, all right, so anyway, uh, it's everything. Turn, there's a season turn and a time for it under heaven. A time of love, a time of hate, a time of war, a time of peace, a time you may embrace, a time to refrain, refrain from embracing. Then there's that just really nice guitar solo, which is mostly just picking through the chords, but just in that really nice 60s pop way. Uh, it's just nice. Yeah. Uh, back to the chorus, and then a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to rend, a time to sow, a time to love, a time to hate. A time for peace. I swear it's not too late. Now that is that right there is a slight deviation where it says, I swear it's not too late. That is that is not in Ecclesiastes. That is an add-on. And and that that right there, that's why this song is often categorized as an anti-war song. And, th- and this is right in the middle of the Vietnam War. As I say in the middle, it's it's really towards the beginning of the Vietnam War. But the, this song this song was well, I, when the it, birds played it, when the birds played it, that's that's right. And when when Pete Seeger wrote it, it's pre Vietnam War. But I mean, Pete Seeger obviously had his own stuff that he was trying to rally against. But um, so yeah, this and also song, Pete Seeger was writing about the Vietnam War uh, decades before it ever happened. Yeah, well, I mean, just war in general, also. And so, 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 yeah, this is that that part right there is is arguably why this song became so embraced because there's a time for embracing. Anyway, this this is why this this song was so embraced at the time because people were really looking for anti-war song. People were looking for for music and art that was giving voice to their feelings about Vietnam. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's how it was used in four. That's so, it. Yeah. That's so, the song right there, man. Yeah, so, a time for peace. I swear it's not too late. So it, it's it's a great song. I would argue this is one of the all time great rock and roll songs. If you, if you were gonna yes. have a museum, oh, I guess there is a rock and roll museum. But uh, if, if you were gonna, the song is in it. Yeah, if, if you were if you were gonna make a list as Rolling Stone ha- magazine has, but if if I was gonna make a list of like what are the all time greatest rock and roll songs, like the iconic, like put them like bronze them and and make sure that no one ever forgets about these songs. This is definitely on that list. I think. You know. Yeah. So, um, that said, the song we're rating is not the, is not the Birds' version of the song. It's not even the Pete Seeger version of no. the song. It's the Bruce Springsteen slash Roger McGuinn cover of the song. How many times to gather stones do you give this song? So, I, I'm, I'm going to go right in the middle of the road, two and a half. Not because it's bad, not because it's good, because it's just a rote cover uh, that is sort of oddly recorded. Like, I don't know, the mix is kind of weird. Because it's live. Well, it was obviously you know, like put bell, out in a hurry. The bell of the ride symbol is super loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, and uh, yeah. Roger, Mc, Roger McGuinn's uh, vocals are kind of weird. Uh, like, like, not that he's being weird, but maybe those are just mic'd funny. Um, so, yeah, two and a half. It's a great song. And, and they covered it, and they, they did it. And, and, and that, that's it. 
Yeah, the the mix is not doing this any favors, and and clearly they were just looking because it, it seems like what Bruce definitely wanted to do was release Danny's last version of Sandy and put it out and raise money for melanoma awareness, yeah, which, which is great, absolutely. So he, I assume he looked through like what are some other stuff that happened on that tour that's worth like putting on here. So that night Tom Morello showed up, that night Alejandro Escovito showed up, and the night Roger McGuinn showed up. And it doesn't seem yeah. like he spent a whole lot of time agonizing over the mix or, you know, like trying to like curate any other versions of whatever. It seems like he was just like, here are the, the most the four most exciting things that I thought happened on this tour. We'll just put them all in one place. We'll throw them up onto the website and whoever buys it, buys it. And we'll send the money right over to uh, the Melanoma Awareness Center. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's what the, happened. Yeah. So all that to say, the mi- the mix is not as you said. It's it's not super carefully mixed. This this is not the best version no. of this recording that we could have possibly gotten. It's the one that they had time to give us. So that said, like I said, I this is one of the all time great rock songs. I I love the image. I I love why it exists. That buys it some goodwill for me. But I also love that Bruce is having fun. I like I like that he gets to play with one of his heroes. And I like that just randomly we got that is we got a hold of a really nice aspect. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna give it a four. Um, Do it, man. Just for that reason. So um, just really more more the sentimental reasons than anything else. Like like you said, there's yeah, no, there's nothing special it. about this recording other than the fact no. that it's the East Street Band in 2008 playing a. You know, a random show in Orlando when Roger McGuinn shows up. So I like I like it more yeah. as an artifact than I think I do as an actual song. But that's enough for for me. So, so yeah, I'm a four. Cool, man. So well, that's great. That's a great reason to be a four. Cool. Now, lightning round, real quick. Do you have five bird songs that you can like say that you love enough to put in the top five? I'm I mean, I've got, I've got my classics. Four. I like Mr. Tambourine Man. I like Turn. I like uh, I like Mr. Spaceman. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mr. Spaceman, and I'm just trying to look through their stuff. Like, what do I even recognize? That's and, the uh, thing is, it's it's such a broad catalog. I I needed this. This would have taken me a couple hours if I had to really spend some time with it. But yeah, I, I can give you. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you the the five that that occurred to me the quickest. And this is I I am sure there will come a day where I'm gonna have to come back around to maybe in our final episode of the year where we do like the year end situation, maybe we can come back and do a, a more curated version of this list. But um, anyway, so here, here's, here are my, I'm just going to read them off to you just for just real quick. So number five is Mr. Tambourine man. Um, which okay. by the way, the number of songs on this list that are covers is pretty remarkable. I, I did not realize how many bird songs that I have always sort of just associated with the birds are covers. Mr. Tambourine man included Mr. Tambourine man, of course, written by Bob Dylan. Um, number four, I don't believe this one is a cover. Eight Miles High is a great yeah, song. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it's a cover either. I, I like the song a lot. I think that's a Bird's original. Uh, then number three is You Ain't Going Nowhere, which is also a Bob Dylan cover. Yeah. Uh, but I really, really love the Bird's version of it. Actually, I, I, I like the Bird's version of it better than Bob Dylan's. And um, then number two, this this is my, I, I really love this song. Uh, feel a whole lot better. I'll feel a whole lot better when you're gone. You know that song? I would have to hear a few bars of it. The the actual title of it is I'll Feel a Whole Lot Better. Tom Petty covers it on Full Moon Fever, but it's a it's a great song. And then okay. uh, and then my number one is Turn Turn Turn. This is a, like I said, it's it's one of the all time great rock and roll songs. I, if if I was trying to be clever, I probably would have like buried this one at number three. But in reality, this is probably their best song. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I uh, again, I'll have to spend no, more time with it. I, it's not a wrong answer by any means. Or so you want to be a rock and roll star is also good. I could have put that on the list. Yeah, 
I really love that song too. Actually, that I might like that one better than Mr. Tambourine. This is what I'm saying. Like, I, I didn't have time to really put. To, I should, I needed more time, JB. So I like their Doctor Birds and Mister Hyde record a lot. Ballad of Easy. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> just ignore me. Go ahead. What'd you say? I said Ballad of Easy Rider is a really good song. Anyway, what, oh yeah, yeah. So Doctor Birds and Mister Hyde, I like that record. Mm-hmm. It's just really bluesy, and uh, it's got a lot of crunch. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably pick a few songs off of that. Go for it. So let's say Mr. Tambourine Man and then Mr. Spaceman. No, let's leave Mr. Tambourine Man off. It's got enough love. <laughs> let's say Mr. Spaceman. Yeah. And then let's say Bad Night at the Whiskey. And then let's say Eight Miles High. That's a great song. It's There's some killer song. guitar work in their live version of it. And then Turn, Turn, Turn. And then they have this uh, mostly instrumental song called Nashville West that I really like. Okay. Off of Dr. Birds and Mr. Hyde. Um, that is probably not like if I had to listen to all the songs over the next couple of weeks and make a real actual list, that's probably not my definitive top five. That's a good top five. Those are, those are five great bird songs in order of how much I like them compared to the other ones. Well, and the birds, the birds are a great band. Also, they're one of those bands that really influenced an entire generation of of music. Like you you could argue you would not have Tom Penny and the Heartbreakers without the birds. And like there, there's, there, there are several other bands that i am sure draw a lot of influence from from what those guys did um yeah so so even even if even if you don't know a lot of songs by the birds they're still if you if you like rock music the odd the odds are very good that someone that you love loves the birds yeah so um yeah man great song good episode glad glad we uh glad we took some time to do this one it was worth talking yeah we did it all right it was good definitely all right, well, thanks everybody for listening. And I know in the last episode I said that the next song was going to be TV movie, and I was wrong. But now I'm definitely saying the next episode is going to be TV movie, and I'm pretty down unless it's sure. not going to be unless it's not. I mean, you'll have to keep coming back, which would be hilarious. Tune in next week. Little TV pun for you to keep you alive for the next couple of days, and uh, then we'll uh, you know we'll be back with TV movie probably. You should start this episode with previously on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. Oh, we should. On the next episode of Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, TV movie. (laughs) We think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everybody, Um, for listening, and we will see you next time with TV movie.